From Aviva Brands, this is Express, the podcast for brands. I'm your host, Dr. David Kippen, CEO and Chief Strategist at Aviva. For the last couple of weeks, I've talked about where agency life begins, at the pitch. And I was planning to start this episode with our pitch results, win, lose, or draw, but I don't have them yet, and that's fairly typical. So, as I promised, we're going to go back to regular programming and talk about brands. And today, I want to talk about your brand's EVP. What's an EVP? The acronym is a litmus test. If you've worked in or around employer branding, however tangentially, you're likely to have a strong view about it. If you don't, if you have a typical marketing background, you probably won't. But we talked about this in Employer Branding 101, that's episode 10 of Express, for a variety of reasons ranging from brands becoming increasingly social and transparent, consumers with ever greater senses of service entitlement, and a millennial generation focused on I want what I want when I want it satisfaction, employer branding is one of the fastest growing areas of impact in modern marketing. And EVP, this acronym, is on its way to the Marketing Acronym Hall of Fame, right up there next to CMP and PPC and just behind the four P's or four C's or five P's or seven P's, take your pick, that make up the classic marketing mix. So, what's an EVP? It stands for Employer Value Proposition, or sometimes Employee Value Proposition, though this is kind of illogical and wrong. But what does it mean? Well, that's where things get interesting. Earlier, I defined the employer brand in part as an extension of the master brand into the talent marketplace. The proper definition is a bit more complex than that. Read the article if you're interested. You'll find it at evivabrands.com, go to blog, then employer brand 101, or listen to episode 10. But for my purposes here, this definition will do because it illuminates the right analogy. If the employer brand is an extension of the master brand, the EVP should be an extension of some element of the employer brand. But an extension of what? Well, that's the rub. There are many expert opinions out there about employer branding, more every day, but many of these experts don't seem to have a strong grounding in marketing. So, it's possible to find loud arguments that the EVP is the employment strap line, or the tagline or brand line, call it what you will, the employment USP, or unique selling proposition, the employment brand essence, in the true brand sense of the phrase, where the essence is the heart of the brief but never expressed in print, or something vaguely connected to or derived from the company's mission, vision, values, or purpose. So, which is it? Well, while all of these make sense as part of the brand's architecture, we can eliminate two pretty easily. The word value might suggest mission, vision, and values, and this doesn't align with the primary purpose of a brand. As I've said many times now, brands exist to make people take selective action. On their face, value statements appear to have similar purposes. They exist to help you understand what to do and what not to do within the framework of an organization to which you already belong. This is why value statements include, you know, anodyne words like honesty and integrity and purpose. These words exist to help the institutional reader reestablish a contextual, conceptual, true north from a behavioral standpoint in moments of doubt. But brands, brands serve a very different purpose. They do exist to make you take selective action, but really they exist to create desire. 
The selective action you take is the action the brand predisposes you to select, generally from a wide field of choices. So the EVP clearly can't come from mission, vision, or values. Um, and you could make a similar an argument by analogy for the EVP as the brand essence. But this also falls apart. When it's silent, the purpose of the essence is to distill down the brand platform to a memorable truth. For example, Nike's brand essence of everyone's an athlete, which they helpfully call a mission statement now, helps the brand keep messaging aligned with this core idea, but it's not something we see pointed at us as consumers. The employee value proposition promises us in its last word that it's a proposition, it, that is, it's something we're going to see, it's something we're going to hear, it's something that happens out loud. These other two options are both reasonable contenders, then. The EVP could be a strapline or a tagline, because that's something you see out loud. It could be a USP, because a strong strapline is generally strong, because it's memorable, and because it underscores the USP. And along the same lines, a good, unique selling proposition it is an expression of the brand's most important or most unique differentiator. But if you're logical about it, the EVP is clearly an extension of the concept of the USP into the talent arena, while the tagline or brand line or strap line, that just refers to a particular use of that idea, namely in lockup with the brand's logo. Okay, that's all dense and theoretical, and thank you for sticking through it, because I'm about to make it a whole lot simpler. The bottom line is this. The EVP is what differentiates you in an important way, a way people want as an employer, and it does it out loud. So there's a really simple way to think of the EVP. You can think of it as the handprint of your brand. Think about that for a moment. The analogy works really nicely for your EVP. Because not only do we all have different hands, but our hands are all differently skilled. And those skills are a physical, tangible, real expression of what we've made ourselves good at. I'll give you a really concrete example. Um, if you go to the blog, there's a photo with that blog post. And the photo is of the handprint of pianist Maurizio Pollini. He's one of the world's great pianists. And you can see in his handprint... His hands are really big, his fingers are long and they're thin, and you can see right there, that's part of what made his career as one of the world's top piano virtuosi possible. It didn't make him great, but chances are he couldn't have been great without that. We'd imagine Michelangelo's hands would be different. They'd probably be a lot more muscular, a lot stronger, and yet also um, probably fine fingertips, because the guy had to both handle a chisel and a paintbrush and did both exquisitely well. Serena Williams, well, her hands are different still. Point is, everybody's hands are visibly shaped by what they do, and their shapes make what they do possible. Each of them makes their occupation, their mark on the world possible. Your EVP, it's the same thing. So, let's talk about crafting your EVP. Crafting a strong EVP isn't particularly easy, but it's straightforward, and it's similar to crafting the master brand position. My colleague Kate Newsom wrote an excellent piece about developing an evidence base for your brand in which she described a research process specific to master brand, but the same logic she used applies with the employer brand. A strong employer brand 
must be clear, relevant, resonant, and differentiating in order to provide the energy to make one want to act just like the master brand. As it turns out, clarity, relevance, resonance, those aren't so hard, but differentiation, that's where the trick comes in. In the opening lines of Anna Karenina, Tolstoy observes, happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. This idea applies equally well to many things, including the employment relationship. Ask most employees of most good companies, most happy employees, why they love where they work, and they'll say things like, the company's innovative, or my colleagues are like family, or we value integrity, or we treat each other with respect, and so on, and on, and on. You can imagine the list. But when it comes to differentiators, what appears to differentiate often doesn't differentiate at all, and what does differentiate often doesn't resonate. For example, every tech company we know prides itself on innovation, and yet none of them uniquely own innovation. It's important to everyone. So companies that try to differentiate around innovation end up talking about tangential measures of innovation, like the number of PhDs on their staff, the number of patents issued, the number of products launched, consumer demand, and so on and so forth. Similarly, where there are strong differences, such as, uh, say, a desirable location or a great benefits package, employers also fumble the ball. The challenge here isn't that these organizations lack smart people or that the talent they want to attract isn't willing to focus on the issues that need careful branding and benefits. I'm looking at you. It's that they typically want to brand what we might call their moral virtues, not their differentiators. This is important. Think about it this way. When you ask a company to speak about itself, an organization will usually want to talk about what it likes about itself, not what's unique about it. Why? Well, I think it just generally doesn't know any better. Just like you and I rely on the kind honesty of others to increase our own self-awareness, most organizations need some form of outside help to see themselves as they are. Now, in our experience, this help comes in four distinct sources. It comes from external perspective, it comes from employee perspective, it comes from what we call provincial perspective, and it also comes from expert observation. I'm going to spend a couple of moments talking about each of these because they're really important, and if you get these down, you have the tools you need to start building your EVP, starting with external perspective. External perspective comes from a specific segment of the workforce outside the company. That is, they're the same kind of workforce, but they don't work for you. Now, to get their opinion requires recruiting the kinds of people your company would hire if it could, and understanding what they think about when they think about your company. It's essential to distinguishing between a real differentiator and an industry given. So this is important. Um, it's how you tell whether you're talking about a moral virtue like the ones I mentioned earlier, um, like, for example, innovation for technology or caring for healthcare, liking people for hospitality. Well, if you get the right outsiders, industry experts who understand the essential job requirements but haven't drunk the Kool-Aid you and your colleagues have, they'll provide a clear-eyed view of your organization's competitive strengths. And if you're lucky, they can also help highlight some of the unique equities that your insiders have forgotten or maybe never learned to properly value. Another perspective you'll want is employee perspective from your workforce. Now, 
If you're like a lot of employers, you'll be tempted to discount employee perspective precisely because it's internal. But listen, current employees have four unique insights you just can't get anywhere else. Number one, they know the company. They're not distracted by the things that don't matter. For example, we recently did a project for a really innovative, flat and results-based tech company. We were doing these external focus groups in China and heard many employees of other companies talk about the risk of ending up with the wrong boss or the wrong work team. While this is broadly true in tech in China, our internal work helped us understand that it simply didn't apply to the company that had hired us, and that became a really important message. We couldn't have gotten that from the inside, from um, the corporate core. We had to go outside the corporate core, but inside the company to understand the world the way it saw itself. Second thing current employees give you is they often know what's coming when outside sources don't. So when you think about what the differentiators are, they turn out not to be a generality like innovation, but something really specific, some specific applied kind of innovation like atom engineering, for example. Your employees are naturally going to be really excited about what's coming, but often they don't have either the messaging skill or the opportunity to shape the message. Still, they can point you at it, and shaping it then becomes a kind of fun challenge to take on. Third, and maybe most important, they know their customers. Even if your employees never interact with customers directly, most of them are close to the specs the customers evaluate your company on. And more importantly, as a result of that, they're going to know the unique satisfactions of the kinds of specialized tasks or interactions they undertake that make your customer successful. So these are all important, and you'll also want to find out what influences that um, the idea of place has on a brand. Many great brands have an equity called provenance or placeness that shapes how we understand them. It won't surprise you that this equity is at play in multinational employer brands as well, and it's pretty tricky. Because on the one hand, consumers expect brands to stay true to their roots. Consider the phrase. On the other, employees live and work in a particular place within a particular socioeconomic context that always affects their understanding of what you could think of as the covenant between themselves, their local operation, and their parent company's home territory. So it's really important to understand how those local equities affect the organization's offering, and in turn, how the organization's own provenance affects the corporate view of a given location. This provides really important context for developing the global EVP and localizing the equities that support it in the right way. So how do you gather these perspectives? Well, focus groups are the traditional way to gather insight into external, internal, and provincial perspectives, but often they're not enough. We've developed and delivered our best results when we've been able to supplement the insights you get from focus groups um, with both on-site and off-site observation. The on-site part of the journey might include sitting in an employee cafeteria in Beijing or touring the smoking facilities in Dubai. The off-site part might include walking the streets of Singapore looking for fresh durian or navigating rush hour traffic in Bangalore. What's important to the work is that the external perspective understands nothing is a given. Small things like bad cafeteria food or segregated smoking rooms that feel like prisons in a culture where smoking is still an important activity, 
Things like necessary staples for work being far away from the work site or impossible commutes, those things actually matter a whole lot more in the lives of workers than you'd think they would. But you won't hear about them from internal focus groups because generally, once current employees have made their peace with them, they just don't talk about them. That's the background noise to their lives. And external talent, they're not going to bother to tell you about the pain of the commute unless you press really, really hard. So these things, you have to directly observe them. There's nothing like getting out, walking around, and really trying to walk a mile in the footsteps of the people you're talking about. Now that idea, the idea of direct observation and experience, leads to the big idea at the heart of what makes a good EVP great. Differentiation is essential, but the larger goal is always the same to understand the work, and therefore the real value of the EVP in the context of the lives of the people for whom it has to matter. This is an important distinction between the employer brand and the master brand. As I pointed out in my last post, the employer brand isn't a transaction. It's a long-term commitment. So what matters most in creating a strong EVP isn't whether it succeeds in getting a quick hire, it's whether that hire is joining the organization for the right reasons. What are those? Well, it depends, of course, but in general, they're the reasons that support a long-term covenant between the organization and the new hire. And the purpose of the EVP is to succinctly express the clear, differentiated essence of that covenant in a way that you get viscerally, you get in a second, and it matters. Now, next week, I'll start looking at how brand experiences begin to deliver on this covenant or to undermine it. Along with value, experience is one of the most important parts of the brand, so you won't want to miss it. That's next week on Express.